Well, good evening, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. Who's ready for? Who's ready to start the new school year? Yeah. Got a mixture. Okay. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, my name is Pastor Mike, and whether you're a first-time guest or a returning guest or listening to this audio, we're glad that you are here this evening. Uh, we're going to continue our series, Kingdom Come, as we look at the life surrounding David. Uh, but before we begin, I do have a question for you, but I don't want you to say, any, say anything out loud. I'm going to give you about five seconds to think about it, okay? So don't say anything. If you could receive $10,000 right now, or receive a penny and have it double and get the money by the end of 30 days, which would you choose? You've got five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. That's a clarifying question. Sure. Do you mean the penny doubles? The penny doubles every day. Every day? Every day for the next, th- over 30 days, you get your money after the 30 days. So, what you get? No, you All the pennies you have doubled. All the pennies double each day. So... So, so if you get ten, so you can choose to receive ten thousand dollars right now, or you start with a penny, and every time it doubles each day, and you receive the money at the end of thirty days. All right. So, who would choose the ten thousand dollars right now? Okay, some of you. All right. All right. Who would choose the penny doubled at the end of thirty months or thirty days? I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So. If you chose the $10,000, that's a fair amount of money. I mean, I think all of us, if we're going to be honest, would say, okay, we'll take the $10,000 right now and we'll figure out what we do with it. However, for those who waited the 30 days and the penny doubled every day, at the end of 30 days, you would have received over $5 million. I want it. Well, here's why I asked this question. Here's why I asked this question. Because it's actually a great analogy for what we're going to be talking about today. See, God will not grant David immediate request, but instead he'll give him a promise that will last a lifetime. Not just for him, but for us as well. And it may not seem at first as we go through the scripture that David is getting the best deal up front. But like the penny doubled, God will give David and us something far greater than we can ever imagine. So with that, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for every student and every volunteer that is here this evening, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that we're in your presence. I pray that all of our hearts, minds, and ears are open and and concentrated on you right now, Lord God. We love to have fun, and and we're all about having fun, but right now it's a time where we need to be serious, where we need to be present at your throne, worshiping you and seeing through the life of David how we can trust in you and how we'll see how you always come through, that your promises You never break. You always keep your promises, Lord. And so I thank you, and we give you the praise for what's about to happen tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So David's now king at this point where we're going to be at. And he actually brought 
uh, what was called the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. This is where priests and prophets would go and, and worship God. And it struck David that the Ark of the Covenant stayed in a tent. And now David lived in a king, in a palace, and in a kingdom, and uh, a castle, I should say. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 to 2, actually shares a conversation between King David and the prophet Nathaniel. And it says the following, When King David lived in his house, or his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his, all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within the curtains. So David is pretty much saying to the prophet, look, I've got this great palace, but, the, but God Almighty, he's living in this tent. I want to build a temple for him. I want to build this great kingdom for him. And the prophet Nathaniel is like, sure, do it. He actually says in verse 3, go do everything that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. So I can see David after that conversation, he's happy, he's excited. He probably already has blueprints ready. He's like, all right, guys, we're going to start with construction. We've got a palace for the, king, for the almighty king that we need to build for. And Nathan probably walks away too, like, yeah, I'm really excited for David. But God had a different plan. God had a different plan for what was going to happen. And this is uh, what um, happened starting in verse 4. But it happened in the night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Should you be the one to build me a house in which to dwell? For I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought the sons, descendants of Israel, up from Egypt, even to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent, even in a tabernacle. Whenever I have gone with all the Israelites, did I speak a word to any from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, asking, why have you not built me a house of cedar? See, God, sent, God set Nathan and David straight, saying, Listen, I'm glad you want to build me a temple. In fact, David, a temple will be built for me one day. But unfortunately, you're not going to build it. And, you know, for some, when we hear that, that might be upsetting. Um, for David, it'd be like, Oh, man, you just told me yesterday I could build this temple. But just because God said no to the temple, he had a bigger promise. He had something better for David. And this is what he says. So now says this to my servant David. Thus says the Lord of hosts. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you whenever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name like that of the great men of the earth. I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may live in a place of their own and not be disturbed again. The wicked will not afflict them again as formerly, even from the day that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Notice how God reminds David here how he became king. Notice how God says to David, Hey, remember when you were a shepherd? One of the lowly, lowest positions... You can have as a job. Hey, remember when I was there in the battle with Goliath and I helped you defeat Goliath? Remember how I made you king? How you're in this palace now? Hey, David, I'm directing your steps. I've got a plan. I've got all of this in control. See, God reminded David of his faithfulness before he gave David a promise. And one promise that God gives all of us is rest. 
He gives us a promise of rest. And I don't mean just a physical rest, and I just don't mean an emotional rest. I'm talking about a spiritual rest, a rest that every single one of us searches for. Maybe, maybe you've been at a time when you haven't felt peace. Maybe there's a situation where you feel maybe anxious, in a sense. And you've tried different things. Maybe you've played video games. Or, I don't know, maybe you've tried drugs. Maybe you've tried watching things that are not um, pleasing in the sight of the Lord to, to get rid of that anxiousness. And you go to it from time to time and it makes you feel better. But after a little bit, you're like, no, that hasn't given me rest. And so you try to search for something else that will give you rest. And I'm here to tell you, the only way we're going to find that spiritual rest, that peace of knowing that everything's all right, is if we're rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where we can find complete rest. That's where we can believe in the promise of God, just like David is about to share, just like just how God is about to share with David. And he says the following, The Lord also declares to you that he will make a house, a royal dynasty for you. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down in death with your fathers and your ancestors, I will raise up your descendants after you, who shall be born to you, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who shall build a house for my name and my presence, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So this promise actually partially partially comes through David's son Solomon. David has a son named Solomon who will eventually be king and we'll, we'll learn about that we'll learn about that a little bit later. And Solomon he actually builds a, a, the temple for God. He actually expands the kingdom for, for Israel. But there's one promise that Solomon couldn't achieve. And that's perfect peace. And Solomon's name actually means peace. But he wasn't a great enough king to bring complete peace for everyone. See, it would be Jesus Christ who could fulfill that promise. He is the Prince of Peace who brought lasting peace with God. Christ is the King of all kings who brought the kingdom of God on earth, and His kingdom will have no end. Jesus is the sinless Savior who unites all who trust and obey in Him. 2 Samuel 7.16 says the following, Your house, your royal dynasty, and your kingdom will endure forever, will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Think about this. Even though God is saying, No, you can't build this temple. No, I'm sorry, you can't have this $10,000. But if you wait for the penny to double, guess what? Your kingdom lasts forever. And by the way, The Messiah, Jesus Christ, comes through your bloodline. Think about this. David is the great, 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 probably like ten greats, grandfather to Jesus Christ. That's pretty amazing. That's a great gift. That's better than the penny doubled at this point. And so, there are three things we should remember when it comes to this event um, that we see here regarding God's promises. Number one is that God doesn't need us We need Him. God doesn't need us. We need Him. You know, God isn't looking for us to save the world. Even though David's heart was in the right place, God is saying, listen, I don't need you to save the world. God saved the world by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. God is asking us to follow Him. Not save people. 
That's not our job. As Christians, I think, and this is where I think sometimes when we want to, test, when we want to testify the word of Christ, when we want to share the gospel message, this is, I think, where we sometimes get in our head that we have to be the message. We're not the message. We're just the messengers. We just have to point people to this Bible. We have to tell them, listen, this is what God promises. This is what I promise. This is what God says. So let's not try to save the world, but let's point people to the man who, and to the guy who, to the king who does save the world. Number two, we should want to give back to God. We should always want to give back to God. And we see that through David. He wanted to give back to God. He, he loved God. David was, had, was called a man after God's own heart. He wanted to do everything that he could that would glorify God. And we should have that same attitude. And here's the thing, we, when it comes to, to loving God, we should never try to, to buy God. We should never try to work so hard to prove that uh, to prove how much we love Him. It's not about that. Our love, our love has to be genuine. Let me ask you something. You ever notice someone when they're fake? You ever notice someone when they try to use a technique? You know, you ever hear of the sandwich technique? How many has heard the sandwich technique? All right, so for those who don't know the sandwich technique, the sandwich technique says, you know, you say something positive, then you say, hey, this is something you can improve on, and then you say, here's something positive again. And some people don't like it because they're like, oh, it's a technique, so I need to fake it and say, oh, here's two positive things, and oh, by the way, here's what I really want to tell you. But my question is, if we're to love everyone, we can all find something positive in, some, in someone, Right? Everyone that we're associated with, everyone in this room, there's something positive about everyone in this room. So if you don't look at it as a technique, you can genuinely say, hey, I love that you have a serving heart. Here's something I think that can help you. And by the way, again, I really love that you have a serving heart. God's asking the same thing. He's not asking for us to be fake about our love. He's not saying, hey, when you come into worship here on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning... And you're saying, yes, I love you. Yes, I'm worshiping you. But does your heart mean it? Do our hearts actually mean it? Or are we just going through the motions? No, He genuinely wants us to be worshiping Him. He genuinely wants us to be at the altar saying, God, I love you. Jesus Christ, I love you. I thank you for what you have done. Do we have that attitude? Or do we have the attitude, of, well, I guess I have to be here. No, you don't have to be here. You get to be here. Number three, we're able to see the riches of God's promise. See, the riches of God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. His promises exceed anything we could ever imagine or ask for. Furthermore, his prom- the promises do not extend or stop with us. They move beyond and through us. We are granted the privilege to share the promise of Jesus Christ to others. And see, when we genuinely love God and we recognize the riches of promise, there's nothing that will hold you back from sharing the gospel message. Absolutely nothing. So as we close and have the worship team come on up, some of you right now actually might be spiritually restless. You don't have complete peace. And maybe that's because of some, some sins in your life. 
Maybe it's because you're, you don't believe that God can come through with you, whatever situation it may be in your life. Maybe some of you, for the first time, you're hearing that, I can, that you can obtain this complete peace over your entire life. If any of you can relate to this, I encourage you guys to take some time to pray. If you need a leader to pray with you, whether it's myself up here or some of the leaders around, I encourage you to go into prayer. Ask God for that complete peace. Don't try to do this on your own. Because we can't. That's why we need a Savior. And that's why we love Him, because we know He saved us from all from all of our affliction. So with that, let's pray. Father, Let us rest on the fact that you fulfill all promises. Let us rest on the fact that we can trust you. Let us rest on the fact that you genuinely love us, Lord God. I pray today for anyone in here and all of us in here who may be searching for that complete rest in our souls, Lord God. I pray that we can find that peace. That we have the courage to come to you and say, God... I need your help. God, I'm fearful about this situation. I have these lies of anxiety in my head, in my heart right now. God, I don't know you, but I've heard this message of complete peace, and I may not understand it, but I I want this. I want to receive it. God, I pray that you open up our hearts. And I pray that we open up our hearts in, in sharing genuinely how much we love you. I pray that we can declare with our mouths that we genuinely love you. And that we recognize what, you've done, what you have done for us as our Savior. So Father, as we go into this time of worship, I pray all of us continue to seek you. Continue to worship you with loving hearts. And if there's anything that we need to ask for forgiveness forgiveness in, I pray we have the courage and the strength to come to you. And knowing that when we ask ask for that forgiveness, you will forgive us and you will give us that complete rest and peace that we are looking for. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.